Yo, what's up, everybody, and welcome to the podcast. On today's episode, we break down the day that was NBA free agency. Talk about some of the big trades that went down, some of the trade requests, what we think about Brooklyn, what we think about the Rudy Gobert trade, and more. And then we're going to discuss some mid-year baseball topics. Will the New York team still make it towards the end of the season? Is Shohei Otani the best player in Major League Baseball? All that and more coming up next on the podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Matt Guest, with me with the brand new City Edition Absolute Heat Brew Crew sweatshirt. Matt Morris, you're officially a City Edition boy, dude. I do like the sweatshirt. I think it's kind of cool. I think the Brew Crew logo is a bit corny, even though we do love our Brew Crew. Yeah, I like the I like the sweatshirt. I wasn't a big fan of the jerseys. I, like. I was like, okay, in comparison, they're probably middle of the road with the rest of the league. I agree. Um, the hat was kind of whack. Like, I bought the hat, bought the sweatshirt just because, you know, it's a yearly thing. And the hat, they, like, tried to work 414, which is the area code of Milwaukee, into it a little bit more than I think I would have liked. And it kind of looked a little bit off. So, you know, we'll see what happens next year. But you swing and miss sometimes. You know, I think the Brewers overall swung and missed. Uh, I thought that Arizona Diamondbacks were – awful outside of their hat uh their hat is sick which i also bought um <laughs> but some of these teams i think colorado's was really really cool i thought colorado's was really cool too mm-hmm. i thought they had a good one i Houston. didn't like it people were hyped on the angels personally i thought they were i thought they were middle of the road i didn't think they were great i didn't think they were horrible but i think i don't know maybe it's because I, I follow more socal stuff i just i, I wasn't fi- buying the hype with the angels one yeah, I thought the Angels was all right. Um, I thought the Astros were cool. The Space City was kind of tight. Yeah. Uh, what else? Yeah, but I mean, overall, I think it, it's just something good for baseball. Like, this is something that they need. Kind of like that uh, that weekend where they allowed the players to toss, you know, their own nicknames on the back of the shirts. Like, that stuff has to happen once a year to give it a little bit more life, I think. Yeah, I agree. I, I totally agree. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, I think the city, I think that stuff is fun for baseball. I think it's fun for basketball, too. And it's obviously good for money, right? Like you were like, yeah, I'm going to buy the hat. I'm going to buy the sweatshirt, whatever. It's just kind of what I do. And it's got me even talking. I was like, I'm not going to buy one of these City Connect jerseys or City Connect sweatshirts, but I do need to get myself a, a Brewer jersey. And I think I might just go neutral because I don't have a love for anyone on the team. Mm. Uh, just a love for the team itself. I think I just will go with the classic pinstripes, you know? For sure. Now I want you to talk about the Rudy Gobert trade a little bit because I'm curious to see if you think five picks is a lot. Is it good? Is it good value? We we also talked about trading Gobert about a month ago. So how do you feel about that entire situation? Well, the first thing it makes me think is, what is KD worth? Like, Mm. like, you know what I mean? So Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly... Uh, and both started for uh, Minnesota. Be- Beasley, not as much. Beverly, for sure, started. Okay. Vanderbilt was a uh, Vanderbilt. J- Jared Wade Vanderbilt was a role player. Came off the bench, played in the playoffs. Solid, solid role player, right? Walker Kessler was Minnesota's first round pick this year, and then they gave up one, two, three, four, 
four unprotected and one protected pick. So five total picks. I mean, what do I think? I, I mean, we'll see how the T Wolves look, but I think is the most. It might go down as one of the worst trades in in NBA history. This this is my the de- definition of a trade rape to me. Yeah. You know, like we're talking four players, five picks, and one of the players was a first round pick this year for Minnesota for Gobert, who's I think he's 30 or 31 years old. You know, he's limited on offense. You know, he's limited on defense in the playoffs when teams go small. Um, I I can't believe they traded him and didn't get Carl Anthony Towns back. I it was shocking to me. I, I'm honestly I'm shocked. I honestly would not be surprised if Utah does one of two things with this. This is what I think is going to happen in Utah here is they either go for Kevin Durant, have all these assets, have all Mm. these picks, send him to the Nets, bring over Durant to play with Mitchell or on the flip side, completely go into rebuild mode. Guess what? Didn't work with Rudy. Guess what? We may not, may or may not have a great relationship with Mitchell. I don't think this is going to happen because D Wade's in the front office now in Utah. So I think he's probably grooming Mitchell, talking to him. He'd probably be a really good advisor for a Donovan Mitchell type. They have a similar game. Um, or I see them maybe trading Mitchell, right? There's a lot of smoke around Mitchell going to Miami now. I don't know what that would provide in value. Miami's got a lot of talk around Kyrie, Katie and Donovan Mitchell. If I was Utah, you know what? Like, unless you feel like Mitchell's the guy that's going to take him over the top. Now, you and I have both had our mixed feelings on Donovan Mitchell. I like him. I think he's an average to below average leader. He's a great scorer, but is a liability on defense. His defense was not impressive to me whatsoever in the playoffs against um, Dallas. Jalen Brunson made him look terrible. And uh, I don't know. I, I think it's interesting. to go. Sorry, I kind of rambled there. But end of the day, I thought the trade was terrible for Minnesota. Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns. Carl Anthony Towns is clearly okay with not being a center. He doesn't want to bang. He doesn't want to be physical. He wants to play on the perimeter. He's soft, as you and I both know. Um, he's not going to be able to guard the four position against elite teams. I just, I just don't see how it's going to work. Yeah, and I think this is, um, this is going to be interesting construction for the T Wolves. Like, I, I like, I like Ed, right? I think Edwards is going to be yeah, an emerging but, yeah, for star. Sure. Um, I think Russell is, you know, probably he, down. He, he's a better six man. I think he's the ideal six man in this league. Um, but as your starter, you know, you're like, okay, well, we've got he's him. He's not a true point guard. You know, he likes to yeah. shoot more, right? Yeah, you know, like he's, he's like a tweener. So like, yeah. you got to kind of use him off the bench as that tweener. And like, he's that's yeah, not his go role. Get, go in get the NBA. 18 a game off the bench. Yeah, right? I, I totally agree. And so you've got, okay, so you've got an emerging shooting guard slash point guard in Edwards, who's also like, to me, a tweener position. I think he can play the point much better than Russell can. Um, But again, question mark, right? Like both guys, you need a ball dominant player. And then you've got the two bigs. Uh, It's just a lot of question marks. And I also think, right, with A-Rod taking over ownership in that that, uh, front office, I think there's probably a lot of pressure too to make a state, like uh, put your foot down, make a statement, right? Like we're the new ownership group. Right. But the problem is, it's like you're a lower market team. You've given up five years of assets. And if this doesn't work out in two years, you're going to have to ship all these pieces out and you're going to be bad without your own assets. Right. We've talked about that a lot, especially with the, these smaller market teams. Um, and, and then again, right, right back to Utah, I, I think this is the way you build your team. Like we talked about it with Oklahoma. We talked about with what Boston had did. And honestly, Boston missed a lot. You know, Hopefully, we'll see more right. success from Oklahoma. But this is Utah's chance to really win over Mitchell 
Or to you, to your point, trade his ass. Get him out of there. Go get right. f- five more first round picks, right? Go into every single draft with three opportunities. And I really would like to see Utah not waste this opportunity. Um, and the last thing I guess I'll add is like, what is Kevin Durant's value? I think this is kind of going to be a, like a Devontae Adams situation where it's like, well, yeah, sure. Like you're worth a whole lot more than a first and a second round pick, but like, sure. But look at your we baggage. Gotta get, we got to get something, right? Yeah. yeah. And like, look at the baggage. And then you see a month later, Tyreek Hill get traded for literally half an organization. Um, <laughs> I just think Durant is a different situation than to go bear because of the drama that surrounds him. Yeah, I, I don't disagree there. The thing that I'm just confused about is like, is it that bad in the organization? Or why can't we just say like, hey, man, you picked your boy Kyrie. It didn't work. Let's go get somebody for him. You know, like let's you couldn't, you know, switch into the Celtics. I don't know if you did you see what the Celtics did? Um, they traded fucking uh let's see here. They traded Daniel Thies, Aaron Naismith, Nick Stauskas, a bunch of a bunch of role players and a first round pick for Malcolm Brogdon. Yes, I did see that. Yes, I did see that. You 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 trade a bunch of role players, a first round pick for Brogdon. You're telling me you couldn't have called up the Pacers? Yeah. Said give me Brogdon for Kyrie straight up. Yeah. Fuck the other assets and had a really good solid dude, solid point guard. You know, yeah, granted not as good as Kyrie. No one's saying Brogdon is. But hey, you Brogdon, let's go get a couple more role players. Let's get this roster together and have a full team for 82 games. You know, if I'm Brooklyn, I'm doing everything to say, let's just get rid of Kyrie for as much or as equivalent of a player as we can and move forward. You know, like I I just find the whole situation in Brooklyn to be really interesting and confusing. I don't know why KD wants out that bad. Like it's it was his hand picked team, you know. What I do want to talk about before we move on to some other stuff is the Celtics, right? So they get Malcolm Brogdon. Now, if they are using this trade to leverage a trade for KD, I could see that that would kind of make sense. I don't know how that would work out. But if this is just like, hey, we're going to add another really good all-star level player to the roster, I don't think you can find a roster in the NBA better than the Boston Celtics. I really don't. The thing that's going to be interesting, it's going to be all on uh, Ime Doka to decide what are we going to do here? Are we going to start Brogdon? Are we going to ask Brogdon to come off the bench? Are we going to start Smart and Brogdon and push Tatum to the four, which will only work against certain teams? Um, This has a chance to be excellent, great, fantastic, and a perfect team here, or it could push things over the edge. Now, I'm a massive Malcolm Brogdon guy. I've loved him since his time in Milwaukee. He's one of the best professionals in the league. Super awesome guy. Um, but this could cause issues in the locker room if Brogdon shows up to practice and does the inevitable, which is play pretty much just as good a defense as smart. And he's a better ball handler, shooter, creator. He's a better point guard. So what do you think? Like, How do you think they're going to be able to handle that? Or what do you think their kind of idea was getting Brogdon? Because this was the shocker of the whole NBA drama to me. Well, I think they listened to our podcast, and I think they listened to us talk about how Marcus Smart isn't a real point guard. Right. Um, no, but in reality, like this was a hole. You know, we talked about the point guard position needed to be upgraded, at least from an offensive perspective. Obviously, you know, Smart winning defensive player of the year, great. 
Um, and obviously then the big position, right? You need Williams, you need to get some backup, you need some depth to have actually that position solidified. Yeah. Okay, so they bring in Brogdon. But to your point of team chemistry here, this is a young team that's grown together. And Brogdon is going to come in and show up as a professional. And that's going to challenge some people. It's going to challenge that core. But we really don't know the inside of that locker room. Like, what does that core look like? Are these mm-hmm. three homies, four homies, five homies? Is this a like solid team that loves each other? Or is this like a basketball team where they want to win more than anything else? And I think, to the piece of this is Brogdon does have injury history, right? A big time. So, so from my perspective as a basketball fan, as opposed to announcing Boston the best roster in the NBA yet, I want to see what happens come first, second round of the playoffs. Is Brogdon even there? You know, is Brogdon available? Is he banged up? Is there a hamstring, right? Like there's been, I think, two of the six, seven years of his career. Um, so I, I do like the move, though. What they gave up, fleeced. I mean, to bring in a, a top 40 player, I would consider Brogdon the top 40. Yeah, and you know, you could probably make an argument for him in easily the top 10 point guards in basketball. Yeah. 100 When healthy, you know, yeah. probably top five, right? But that's the thing, and that was in his days with Milwaukee, what cost the Bucks, and the reason they chose Middleton over him, which ended up working out long-term, was that guy got hurt every All year time. right yeah. before the playoffs, man. And it was like, I mean, he won rookie of the year as a second round pick. I, I'm a big Brogdon guy. It's going to suck seeing him on Boston. Well, and I think, too, that second round piece was a big play, right? This was a value pick by Milwaukee. He came out, provided assets. Yeah. But you look at Jokic, right? Second round pick, right? We start, we've talked about this. So second round picks are starting to develop a little bit more. And what I will say to that second round concept is Brogdon's a first round asset outside of his availability. His availability right. puts him in that second round tier because he's, he's just not there. And he's played on in Indiana. So like that's also a hard knock where not as much exposure, right? The exposure piece is there. Um, but from a Boston perspective, like great job. And I and I really like this piece because it's not going out and getting Kyrie Irving or you know, Kevin Durant. <laughs> right, right. Let's go and get a solid player, much like the Bucks did when they went out and and they acquired Drew Holiday. Like Great job, you know, good starter. Like, not the name, not the drama around the NBA of create the super team. It's no, just go get a really good player. One thing I wanted to talk about with Miami is they lost PJ Tucker, and he's mm. got maybe a year left, right? Like, when is the wheel? When are the wheels going to fall off for PJ? Right? Yeah. Um. Philly signs him on a three-year deal. Yeah. I think he's 39, Matt. And to your point about Miami, like, you know, reports are as Embiid is saying, do whatever we need to do to get KD. But it's like, I tweeted this out on, on my Twitter, and I was like, yeah, obviously everyone wants KD. You know, like, <laughs> oh, this team's interested in KD. The Warriors are interested. Like, I said, I think I put per sources, every NBA team is interested in KD. <laughs> Obviously, you know, like yeah. if there's a conversation to be had, it's going to be had. It's still Kevin Durant. Like yeah. for as much as we're kind of going out here, dumping a little bit on him. Like, yeah, if my dude, let's be Matt right now. If there were like Middleton, um, a bench player, a couple first for KD, like, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Like, 100%. <laughs> Hit that green button, like, boom. Yeah, done. like, no <laughs> doubt about it, you know? Like, absolutely are you doing that. As Put yourself in your seat of your favorite team. Um, But going back to Philly is, I do think they're doing the homegrown thing. Everyone knew they needed to get rid of Ben Simmons, right? Needed a star. Harden, he's got the relationship with Maury. Harden, Matt, opted out of his contract so Tucker could get this contract. He will get a new deal. Harden was owed $47 million, just like Russ Westbrook. Opted out. He's going to get less so that they can bring people in to Philly. 
says a lot about the situation that's gone on with Harden throughout his career the last few years and what was going on in Brooklyn. Because if you remember last weekend when we were on here, Kyrie opted in to his $37 million or else he would literally be on the Lakers right now. But he also would have only made like $10 million this year. So end of the story with Philly. I think what they're doing is actually pretty solid. They're trying to keep it as much homegrown as possible around Embiid and some of the guys maxi that they've drafted throughout the last couple of years and keeping that more tight-knit group like Boston, like Milwaukee, like Golden State. You know, you can add in a superstar or a free agent here or there. You know, the auto, the auto porters, the PJ Tuckers, the Drew Holidays, like you said, the guys that aren't talking about the flat earth and not getting a vaccine because he doesn't want to, you know, and that's yeah. neither here nor there. But that fucked Brooklyn last year. Kyrie not getting vaccinated and making that whole scenario go down like that fucked them come playoff time. And well, these other teams aren't worrying about it. I think the next question here in regards to this homegrown mentality um, is the accountability aspect of all of this because you talked about you know Boston having issues obviously all season with Kyrie's availability, and you I think you saw that in the first round right like you know there was Ramadan so he obviously also wasn't eating and he was fasting there was just a lot to do with Kyrie and that was pulled into question right. in regards to like is his is his stamina up does he have enough fuel in his body like there are just so many questions with Kyrie but I also think you look at the the Durant situation and it's like. There's no one to sit him down and be like, you wanted this. Like, right. put the bullshit aside, right. Kevin. This is all of your construction. <laughs> right. You want to leave? No. Right. Sorry. You signed last year. You want to sit out? Cool. Ben's ready to play. You know? Right. Kyrie, we'll trade his ass. We'll go get a couple picks. And we're going to build around Ben. If you want to sit out for three years and not touch a basketball, we'll pay you the 50 mil. No problem. But you created this. You know, Steve's down there right now coaching players because you wanted him. And at the end of the day, if we find an overwhelming trade for you that falls in our lap, we might take it. You might end up in Toronto. You might end up, you know, playing for the Nashville Predators. I don't know. You know, <laughs> yeah. like, but to Dude, the point, I, know. It's just I feel you, man. The accountability, it's... man. That's what I would do is I would put my job on the line and say, absolutely not. You know, like, or like, I, or or shut the fuck up and don't ask me to trade you to Miami. Yeah. Like, guess what? If Utah's the best spot, if Utah's giving me six picks and Donovan yep. Mitchell, I'll see you in Salt. I'll book you a ticket to Salt Lake. Yep. I'll pack your bags. If Indiana's giving me the best package, guess what? That's where I'm fucking sending you. Like, yep. it can't be you make whatever his contract is two hundred million dollars and you get to go play with Braun. You know, like that's just not. That's just not how it goes. You know, you can't have one way or the other. And that's why I think, Matt, and you called this as the, as the playoffs are starting is the teams that are going to be successful year over year and in it year over year and making competitive runs at a title aren't going to be these super teams anymore. You called it, dude. I don't remember how long ago it was. I think the era of the super team, let's band together with the three, four best players in the league. Is going to work like, yeah, it might smack one time. It might be the 2020 Lakers that AD happened to be healthy after the bubble. LeBron was healthy. The role players played great, but it needs a lot to work rather than a team that's gone through its ups and downs through four, five, six years. Like you don't think Boston's going to come back nice next year. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're going to be they're going to be there, man. And all whoever ends up with Kyrie, whoever ends up if they end up with KD. 
right? Look at what they're doing out in Atlanta. Like, we'll see, you know, we'll see. So the Mets haven't had a fully DeGrom or Max Scherzer yet. They're still one of the best teams in baseball. So, I mean, I think that's obvious, right? You know, you and I've talked about this, that if they do get those guys at full health, they are probably a World Series team. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but what I've been seeing is that offense is back to being suspect again. Um, it, it's going to be questionable the rest of the season with offense. We don't know what environment we're playing in at the moment. Um, some games, some days in Major League Baseball teams are going to explode for, you know, six, seven runs the next day. You have a guy go out and pitch 11 strikeouts like Max Scherzer did in his return tonight, you know. But at the end of the day, Scherzer, DeGrom, Corbin Burns, uh, you know, Shane McClanahan, these guys that are dominant Major League pitchers are dominant no matter what. And I think Mad Max proved that again today, six innings right off the IL, 11 strikeouts, boom, jumped right back into it. And DeGrom's, you know, hitting 102 miles an hour in the minor leagues again. He sure got five of six batters he faced in his first rehab assignment, throwing 101 again. Like, there you go. Like, they're there they are who they we expect them to be when healthy you know and uh my fear is for Degrom that 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 health is not going to continue to stay uh it's not going to keep him on the roster and for mad max it's like okay you're back but for how long you're getting yeah. older you've had two postseasons now where you've been suspect and questionable and you haven't been available when your team needs you the most now when together the mets are unstoppable in that division yeah, well, I mean, his arm fell asleep last year in the, in the playoffs, yep. and he 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 sadly had to admit it himself. He's like, "I'm fucked. Like, I'm mm-hmm. literally I can't pitch anymore." Um, I, I think it falls on obviously Lindor, but I think the other the other X factor. I think their big X factor is Pete Alonso. Man, he's got his 22 bombs, 69 RBIs is ridiculous right now at this point in time in the season. His underlying numbers are whatever. You know, I was looking into him, but. I think he's the biggest case there and the biggest guy that they need to step up and continue to play well. He's been stepping up because I, I agree with you. I just don't know if they're going to be there when it matters the most. And I want them to. I want to see the Mets have these two aces going up against the best of the best of the NL. Um, I also, I, I think I'm fully on board. And, you know, I don't know if you're going to agree with me here, but I, I think Atlanta is going to pass them up before the season's over. I think it's been really nice. It's been a great ride for the Mets. They were a great story all season. But I think when we get into the talk of, you know, long term sustainable winning, I think the Braves have a roster construction, a team, and now a championship pedigree that's going to propel them to the top seed um, in that National League East division. No, I think I personally think the Mets will still win this division. Um, okay, with Degrom and Why? with Scherzer, they are far and away, in my opinion, a week to week better team. Uh, Ian Anderson has been absolutely horrendous for Atlanta to the point where you've got to think about sending him down to the minor leagues. Ironically, today he comes out and pitches actually halfway decent. <laughs> um, so you know. There's there's the concept that Atlanta just doesn't have, in my opinion, the consistency at the starting pitcher. Uh, ranks. Charlie Morton has been better as of late, but hasn't been perfect this season with an ERA over four. Max Fried has been absolutely lights out. You love to see it. He's their guy. He's their consistent rock. Um, you know, Kyle Wright, his emergence this season as a 26-year-old former top five pick, finally playing well. But there's the concern. He's finally playing well. He's emerging. You're going to be worried about that innings cap for Kyle Wright. You've got guys in the minor leagues like um, who is it? Kyle Morton, I think it is, um, who could come up and play really well. But again, minor leaguer is improving. 
Um, so there's a lot of question marks in that rotation for me. Kenley Jansen is also out with an irregular heartbeat, so there's questions in the bullpen. There's just too many questions for me and the Atlanta Braves. I love the team. I agree, long-term. Yeah. I, I think they have just as many questions as New York, in my opinion. A uh, ton of games. I just pulled up the schedule. They've got uh, one, two, three, four. They've got over 10 games left against the the Mets this season, so that'll be fun to watch them duke it out towards the season ends here. Well, it'll be interesting, too, with those 10 games. How many games do does New York get out oh, of DeGrom God. and Scherzer, right? Like, if they can get six of those 10 from DeGrom and Scherzer, oh, that's already an advantage. Right. Or, I mean, you know, at least, you know, they could get those guys facing them in each of those series, right? At mm-hmm. least getting some ABs against them. At least, you know, that those are, you probably got 80% shot at winning those games, unless, yeah. like you said, Freed's going against one of them. And then it's kind of a toss up because Freed has been incredible this year. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of New York here, the second one on here, this, this, this will be fun. Oh, the Yankees might be one of the best teams of all time, Matt. Okay. Of all time. Calm the fuck down, dude. Are we just going to forget what the Giants did last year? What about the Giants last year? This time last year, Giants are one of the best teams of all time. The LA Dodgers. So this is what it says here. The Yankees, they're on pace for 116 wins. They have a guy who might hit more than 60 home runs. What did we say? And (laughs) absolutely everything has fallen right for them this year. The Yankees fans demand no less than the team's first World Series appearance in 13 years. They might just get their franchise's best teams in decades. The floor is yours. I think the the Yankees are fantastic this season. Are they one of the best teams of all time? No, absolutely not. They have holes all over the place, right? Everywhere. And and that's really what I look at. If I'm just going to talk about the Atlanta Braves and the success that I expect from them, it's has to be the same way for the New York Yankees. Like when you have as many question marks as the Yankees do, you have to make sure that you shore up those question marks. And now, going into last season, going into the playoffs, the Yankees have answered some of those question marks, right? Where big concern was pitching, right? After Garrett Cole, who do they have? Well, this season they have Sevy. Sevy's back. Sevy's pitching great. Love it. Right. right? He looks great. But the problem is kind of back to that Kyle Wright comment with the Braves. Sevy's coming back for the first time as a healthy pitcher this season. How many innings does he have? Can he can he sustain this kind of volume in his outings? And at what point do you get to a point with Sevy where it's like, hey, he's had 200 straight innings plus post like postseason appearances. Like we cannot run him out there. But as of now, he's playing well. You know, Nestor Cortez has had some really nice media hype, but come postseasons, like you want a guy that can go out there, get you six innings, give up no more than three runs. I don't know that Nestor Cortez is that guy anymore. Bullpen has been pretty good with King and Holmes, but then Chapman came out just a couple days ago and walked three straight batters and he was immediately pulled. So again, yeah. a question mark. Yeah. Um, yes, I think this is a really good team. I think this is probably the second best team in the AL to Houston, but I really would not put them as one of the best teams of all time because, again, they're not even the best team in baseball, in my opinion. Yeah, and they're not even that dominant right now. You know, they've Mm. been winning games, but it hasn't been because they've been so dominant. I think another red flag on the team is they don't even have a consistent shortstop right now. They don't have someone in the middle of the infield that they can fully rely on, you know, at all times. Um, I know they have IKF going out. They have Glaber Torres that they still go out there and play every once in a while. But, I mean, that's a really big deal and something they need to get solidified, right? And then at the end of the day, Matt, similar to the Dodgers, right? The Dodgers' Achilles heel is those arms in the playoffs, right? And not getting timely hits. 
the Yankees Achilles heel could be that they start striking out because they swing for the fence too much, right? When it matters the most, when the teams are dialed up on them right now, they're coming up clutch, getting the right hits, playing timely baseball, but man, things change when it gets cold and the pitching gets better. Yeah. And and what I like about what they've done to kind of combat that is they have this veteran presence of guys that have been there that have done it. You look at Rizzo, been there, done it. You look at Matt Carpenter from St. Louis, who was DFA'd and basically out of baseball for, I think what was a year, Chapman, you know, like guys that have been there and done it. I like Chapman in the playoffs still, even though he's having some concerns to be a guy because he's been there. Um, so I, I like what they have, but I don't disagree with you. Cold streaks happen, you know, and like how do you maintain those cold streaks? Hopefully you have those veteran presences just remind the team to go for hits, not home runs. But we need to see the Yankees in a cold spell this season to really know what we're looking at. So the Houston Astros, you said you think they're the best team in Major League or sorry, in the American League right now, which maybe Major League Baseball as well. Um, do you think that they've actually upgraded this year from moving on from Carlos Correa, bringing up uh, Jeremy Pena? So this is the entire construct of minor league baseball is to have guys ready to go and to have them like step into shoes when needed. I think this is one of the first times it's actually worked. I equate this a lot to the <laughs> NFL and running backs. You know, like why are you going to pay a guy X amount of dollars on a on an extension when you can just go out and get somebody else? That's the NFL mantra for running backs, right? That's that's kind of our mentality. Right. Um, this is what happened here in Houston. Pena's 24 years old. You know, he wasn't a 21-year-old rookie or a 20-year-old rookie like Wander Franco in Tampa Bay. 24 years old. He was a built-out man, like ready to step in with his power, with his body, and play 160 games. And that's what Pena's doing. You know, is he better than Carlos Correa? I don't think so. Can he become better than Carlos Correa? I really don't think so. But can he be 80%, 90% of Carlos Correa? Absolutely. And that's really all you needed while saving 30 to $40 million a year. This was an absolute no-brainer for the Astros, and really, in my opinion, what it allowed them to do was keep Justin Verlander the $25 million a year, which is really paying the dividends you need. Um, one of the things we talked about a while, maybe not even a while ago, I think towards the beginning of the season, was uh, Juan Soto and LA media just like hypothetically talking about him coming over and this and that. But the reason being is we all know Juan Soto is unhappy in Washington. Um, it's seeming as if he doesn't want to take the contract out there and he wants to play for a contender, which Washington is the farthest thing from a contender right now. But his numbers are low, Matt, and he doesn't look like he's playing very well. He doesn't look like the kid that was dominating the World Series a couple years ago. And, you know, arguably, you know, people make the argument he's the best hitter player in baseball at some point in time in the season so what's good with Soto why is he struggling so hard what have you been able to identify some of the the issues he's been having this season yeah uh ground ball rate is pretty high I think he's at 51 percent of the season for ground ball rate that needs to change obviously uh the patience is still there I did watch an at bat of his over the weekend uh took a nice little walk this was after the injury he had i think it was on saturday or friday night with which was a knee injury is expected to be fine he's in a bad lineup and i think really when you're in a bad lineup like that and you have the mentality of i'm not really going to see as many good pitches as i normally would even though you're seeing strikes at times you have times to press and i think that's where the ground ball rate kind of comes into play um, I also think that we just need to remind ourselves he's 23 years old. You know, you're going to go through some struggles at times in the major leagues and, and major league baseball teams are going to adjust to what has worked for you in the past. And I also think that's kind of what we're starting to see with him as well. Nice. When you don't have anyone to fear around you, you don't ever have to give in. You can eat the corners. You know, you can avoid a zone 
maybe his hot zone completely. Because if you walk him, you walk him. And best case scenario, you know, he swings and he rolls over a ball and there, there's that ground ball, right? So I really think what has to happen for Soto to continue to have success in this league is to be around players that challenge the other team, allowing him to even just get one pitch in that bat that he moderately likes and can elevate. Yeah, I mean, just be around guys that are respectable in the league. I know I turned on the Nationals game on the 4th of July because they started at like 9 o'clock my time and I watched uh, extra innings. And it's just... I mean, I watch a lot of baseball, you know, I'm not into fantasy like you, so I don't know everybody, but Lord, dude, like they're horrible. They're the laughing stock. They're one of the laughing stocks of baseball, not the one of the laughing stocks of baseball, man. And and I think you make a really good point there because, you know, look at Harper. We talked about this with Bryce last year and especially coming into this year and why you picked him for MVP and you were so stoked about him um, even more than you were coming into last year is. He has complete coverage around him. You can't completely ignore the fact that Harper's coming up and just pitch around him, walk him because you have Castellanos, because you have Schwarber, because you have all these other options on the Phillies now. Soto literally has a guy. You and I could probably go out there and be just as bad as the guys batting around him. Yeah, and you know they've decided to build this young core. And we've talked about Washington before, right? We've talked about their desire to spend money, their their books, and how they've. Um, how they've actually committed to certain players, and that was Strasburg, and that was Mad Max, right? Max obviously leaves via trade and then free agency from L.A., but you know, allowing Rendon and Turner and Harper and all these guys to leave, and it's like you couldn't have just kept one of them. Anybody? One of them. Like maybe Bryce Harper, you know, for 10 years, $300 million, like $30 million a year. Maybe a young Trey Turner, you know, like a a young asset at least. Like, come on, man. But you're seeing the negative ramifications here. And it's unfortunate, but this is Major League Baseball. And, you know, we have a team here a minute we're going to talk about in the Rockies that some organizations just can't figure it out and, you know, make bad decisions. And I feel like we're going to start to talk about the Nationals over the next 10 years as (laughs) maybe the Rockies. Well, I'm glad you brought up the Rockies because, like, I'm trying to bring the NFL NBA equivalent to the Rockies and and I think I've I've identified and put my finger on who the Rockies are. I couldn't think of the NFL equivalent, but NBA wise, I think they are the Sacramento Kings. Like I think that is exactly who they are. Maybe it's cuz they're both purple, but I feel like that's just the city, the team that that professional league players just go to die, you know? And they spend all this money in the offseason on Chris Bryant, right? And we're like no one's we laughed at it. We're like, damn, he's going to go smoke pot and enjoy his time out there in Denver, right? He's probably going to have 45 home runs or something. What is? What are they doing out there this year? They're See, so bad. I would call them the New York Knicks of MLB, the team that has to spend outrageous. But they're not. Of money. See, see, I see. I, I feel the Knicks because the money spending, but uh-huh. like the relevancy, right? At least people still somewhat give a shit about the Knicks. People Should go to Colorado. Though? But they're in New York. But people I mean, go to I Colorado. People go to Sacramento, and they fall off the face of the earth. Right? <laughs> they go play a mile high and get a mile high in Colorado. They go to Sacramento and literally disappear because nobody goes to Sacramento for anything. I mean, I don't disagree with you there. I do. I do think Sacramento is a good example. Um, well, what has happened to them this season is their their roster is awful. Yeah. <laughs> awful. Uh, I mean, Chris Bryant's awful. You know, like this was a concern I had. He was either going to go there, hit 320, 40 home runs, 120 RBIs, and be like, 
you know, one of the best players in baseball for the next three or four years and like actually put himself in the conversation for Hall of Famer because Colorado elevated his stats so much. Right. Or he was going to go there and be an absolute giant turd. And he's got <laughs> he's got one, one home run. That's Major League Baseball's little thing, right? Number nine here. Chris Bryant has one home run. One. And it's like, yeah, because Chris Bryant is an injured player that doesn't have the same bat speed, can't elevate the ball, and every part of his body is aching. And you just signed him to a seven-year contract. Congratulations. Congratulations. A little golf clap for you. Well, and you signed him to a seven-year contract. Like, yep. what, what, what are... When are these major, specifically Major League Baseball? When are these Major League Baseball teams going to learn that giving a long-term, high-salary contract to an average player is never going to pay dividends down the road? You know, Chris Bryant isn't going to come out here and transform your franchise. Chris yeah. Bryant's barely going to sell you more tickets. To be honest with you, maybe opening day, right? Maybe if you end up having the home run derby there, but. Even that, right? Like he's not gonna he's not gonna translate into wins. You know, growing up in SoCal, seeing this happen with the Angels, right? You can literally start with Josh Hamilton and just move everything forward, right? Even Pools didn't pay dividends down the line. They never made the playoffs. Trout never made the playoffs. You know, Rendon haven't made the playoffs. It just goes over and over and over. When you get these guys who had one great season, were really good at one point. But in when you pull out the list and you say, and Trout's an exception. This is, he's not a good example for this. But when you pull out the list and you see, okay, what number? Where would you rank Chris Bryant as the best? I don't even know what, what position does he play: outfield, first base, third base. What is he even considered? But regardless of where you put him, if you put him in the outfield, like they have him here on ESPN, he's the 50, 60th best outfielder in the league coming into that contract, you don't give them hundreds of millions of dollars because why would you try harder? I wouldn't as a human. Yeah, no, I mean, I fully agree with you. And I think, too, we just talked about Soto and and that roster construction that elevates or de-incentivizes his ability, right? And you, Bryant's the same way. Roster construction there, it's Chris Bryant. And you've got kids like Zach Veen who, are, yeah, are coming up in a few years. But by the time Veen's up, Bryant's career is going to be basically over. Charlie Blackman, you know, still out there making $22, 23000000 million a year. Career is basically over, even though he's having a moderately, moderately decent year. Brennan Rodgers, you know, failed top five pick, uh, playing second base, playing shortstop. Like, this team is just overall, it's old and it's a bunch of failed youngsters. And like, that's that's the truth. Ryan McMahon, Orange County kid, right? Yeah, uh, our guy Colin said he's the best baseball player he's ever seen. Well, Ryan McMahon sucks. So if he's the best <laughs> he's ever seen, like man, that that goes to say, um, this team's just not good. And Chris Bryant's just another problem with that. All right, last thing here, Matt, on baseball, the question needs to be asked: Is Shohei Otani the best player in baseball? Um, yes, absolutely. Because of the two, you know, the two abilities, pitching and hitting. Um, I think this season is a little bit less glamorous than last year, obviously, because the batting stats aren't exactly where we expected them to be, but he's still mm -hmm. very good. You know, he's, he's a guy I would take 10 out of 10 times in my lineup. Um, I just think at some point the Mike Trout effect is going to affect Otani as well. The lack of winning, the lack of competitiveness every single day in day out right the angels are just not a good baseball team i think his lack of numbers with his ability and what he's been able to produce this year offensively and defensively as a pitcher 
I think is even greater than what he did last year. Like the numbers and everything was great, but to follow it up with still a very impactful season, a healthy season, most importantly, thus far, knock on wood, knock on your knee, whatever, I think is just really, really goes to show that I don't know if I'm ready to put him at number one, but he's in the top three conversation. No doubt about it, in my opinion. I don't think you can have a best player in the league conversation without having him in there because he's out there every day as the DH and he's out there every fifth start. Which yeah. you can't like that is ridiculously impressive, man. And and yeah. he's doing it well, well above average. This isn't like some fun story, you know, like, oh yeah, he hits and he pitches. That's like, no, no, no. This guy is in the top three of our lineup. He's hitting homers, driving batters in, running hard on the bases, and he can go out and strike out ten dudes on a good day. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely don't disagree with you. I think this season where he's really taken that elevated approach is on the mound. You know, this is something that I've talked about before. Yeah. I think Shohei Otani at the end of his career will be looked at as a better pitcher than a hitter. Um, and in order to do so, he'll have to elevate himself to almost a Jacob deGrom status because of how legendary he is with the bat. I think we're a year away from him being Jacob deGrom on the mound. Uh, that's split Velocity-wise or dominance-wise? Dominance-wise. Dominance okay. We talked about that split fastball on baseball savant really, really looks like for Otani, and it's almost unhittable. Um, he's only developing himself more and more as a pitcher each year, and this year I think he's a better pitcher than he was last year. But again, I'll say it, you know, Shohei Otani's legacy and his fandom will only go as far as the Angels in the postseason run allows him to. And again, I'm disappointed by what we're seeing from the, this year because you do have a healthy Trout at for most of the season. You have a healthy Otani. That rotation just has been underwhelming for even what you and I expected. Michael Lorenzen has been poor as of late. Uh, Thor, right, doesn't have the velocity and it has times where he gets blown up. Uh, Sandoval has had some really good stretches and had a couple bad starts, but we need to see better Angels games down the road. Um, for us to really like put Otani and try on this pedestal that I think Major League Baseball marketing wants to. I agree. Okay, last thing on this, then we can go. Otani's current two-year $8.5 million deal with the Angels is expiring at the end of this season. After that, he'll be eligible for a final year of salary arbitration, effectively entering the process as a as a two-player, two-way player, pitcher and a hitter. Now does that mean he has to go into that arbitration at the end of this year? Do you know? Um, no, so the team can sign. So an offer can be extended to avoid arbitration. That offer for Otani would probably have to come in around 27 to $29 million. Because if you think about Aaron Judge, Aaron Judge just got $19 million from the Yankees. For um, his arbitration deal or to avoid arbitration deal. I think it was awarded to him. I think I think it was either awarded to him or both sides had like 17. The other one had like 21, so they settled at 19. But Otani's going to require a larger deal because Don't of Don't you think positions. he's going to be close to 40? Because, yeah, exactly. We've never seen anyone in arbitration close to 40. Aaron Judge hit 300 last year, 36 home runs, 100 RBIs. Aaron Judge was the top one percentile okay. in Major League Baseball. And he, and he was 19. 19. So yeah. you'd say with, with Otani, though, because Otani's top one plus he pitches, maybe 23? I'd maybe I'd 25? Say, maybe yeah, 20 I'd at least? 20, He's got to be say, more than Judge. He does more. That's what I'd say as his as his agent, as his yeah. person fighting oh, for 100%. If I'm the Angels and I want to build goodwill, I say to him outright, here's $30 million. Okay. You know, now, we'll talk about this that is, extension. This is my second part, though. Like, fuck the arbitration. I was just curious about that. Does he stay? 
should he stay? Will he stay? I don't think because I completely agree with sorry because I completely agree with you that if he stays with the Angels for the entirety of his career, he will go down in the same breath the way that we are now kind of discussing Mike Trout and his legacy as kind of a loser, a great player, but a loser. No one likes a loser. I don't think the Angels can afford to not sign him, uh, much like they were with Trout. You know, the right what if concept he says, of Trout. Fuck it. I don't think he will. Uh, you have an international player who has become comfortable in a current environment, in a current landscape, in a current city in Major League Baseball. If you look at Ichiro, Ichiro stayed in Seattle for a very long time, only left once the team ultimately kind of didn't need him, didn't want him. Um, and I think that this is the international approach here for Otani where comfortability as well as a paycheck will be more important than necessarily chasing after the Yankees or the Mets or the Red Sox. Because you have to acclimate yourself, obviously, to a new city, but a new media market as well. And expectations are going to be much higher in those markets. We look at Aaron Rodgers, and we talk about this a lot, a lot, right? You're never going to be loved more anywhere else. I don't think Otani yeah. will be loved any more anywhere else. Um, the Angels, that's his, his team. I don't, I don't care that Mike Trout's still playing. This is Otani's team. You know, I've been there. I've experienced it. This is like we see on TV. This is Otani's baseball team. Sorry, Mike Trout, you're out. Um, and I don't think that Artie Moreno can hold back the wallet here, and it's going to ultimately cost them the next ten years of of, uh, of success because you will be paying two guys almost eighty million dollars. But what success? It doesn't matter, honestly. Like, what success? You know, like there is none. Unfortunately, it's disappointing. Well, like, it's just it comes out of ups- me being upset about it. Like, I would like for them to have. I didn't think in 04 that they'd never ever be relevant. Yeah, they they wouldn't at least make one more run. And I don't even like the Angels that much. It's just crazy to me. Well, and I think about Otani and like you say, you pay him forty million a year. You're gonna make that in ticket sales, jersey sales, merch sales. You have the best international player. You're gonna make that internationally. 100%. So yeah. who gives a shit what you're paying him? Like, sure, the the balance sheet's going to th- be thrown off whack, but you're making that money back without even really having to do anything. And that's why I think you just lock him up now and just call it a day. All right, everyone, we appreciate you. You know where you can find us on Twitter. I'm at Matt underscore guest. Matt is at Matt underscore E underscore Morris. The podcast is on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at PitcherBetPod. We'll see you guys next week. Big announcement coming. Later.